Hey, everybody, and welcome to the State of the Art Podcast, where we're talking about art, technology, and most importantly, why you should give a shit. I'm your host, Andrew Herman, and I'm a startup founder, an engineer, and a creative. I am fascinated by the collision of art and technology. I'm excited to bring you along as I meet artists, collectors, CEOs, and founders, and anybody else who lives on the border between art and technology. We have a really interesting podcast for you today. We're talking to Vince Cadlebeck from something called Meow Wolf. Meow Wolf is really interesting. They're difficult to describe, but they started as an art collective based in Santa Fe. And uh, they're now a multi-format installation art collective. They do shows, they do videos, they do animations, they're a business. They've raised a bunch of money. They have George R.R. Martin from Game of Thrones involved as their landlord. So please allow me to introduce Vince Cadlebeck from Meow Wolf. Thanks uh, for all the listeners for tuning in. This is another episode of State of the Art podcast. And uh, on this episode, we have Vince. I'm going to let you pronounce your last name from Meow Wolf with me. How do you pronounce your last name? Yeah, it's Cad Lubeck. Cad Lubeck. Cad Lubeck. Great. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us, Vince. We, um, you know, obviously we've done some research on Meow Wolf and checked you guys out on the internet. Um, But I will say you're a little bit of an enigma. We couldn't find a whole lot of information about you. So I'm curious uh, just to get sort of your own personal background and how you kind of came into the art world. Yeah, I mean, I um, I grew up here in Santa Fe and uh, I didn't, you know, I graduated high school just barely. I was a very like rebellious kind of uh, anarchistic character <laughs> back in the day. I didn't go to college. Um, I stuck around Santa Fe and um, in my like early 20s, I started to throw parties um, at my house and then outdoors and kind of got, you know, turned into sort of rave promoter type of thing. And, um, that, uh, was really my first, that was like my entry into production and, um, you know, production, promotion, marketing, um, uh, decor, you know, like really thinking about the vibes, thinking about like the, 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 the cultural aspects of, parties you know how to throw a good party basically and um and that that was really like my entry into it i had always been a writer i'd always been like a spoken word artist there's a video you can find on youtube of me like you know one of my performing one of my spoken word pieces um and then that kind of translated also for me into stage writing for the stage and being a being a playwright and so um that's like my, my interests come from a place of like a party promoter, music promoter, and then also a theater, somebody who writes and directs theater. Um, and then in the like in my, you know, mid 20s, when I was like 26, 27, um, all of that kind of combined into creating a, a bit of an art collective. Um, and it was prior to Meow Wolf, but it was more like a theater troupe that had been created, hmm. um, like a combination of theater troupe and also we all live together. I mean, it was very much like a lot of stories that you have, I think, out in out in the world. Um, and and then that ended up becoming Meow Wolf. And, that, and we weren't at the time, like when we first started, before Meow Wolf existed, there wasn't a visual art component, really. It was more about the music shows and the theatrical components. And then when we started Meow Wolf, two of our founders, Matt King and Quinn Tincher, they 
basically said, um, Hey, can we do an art show? And, and can we open, can we open the space? Can we open the Meow Wolf space with an art show? Hmm. And, um, we said, sure, you know, never really thought about doing like a full on art show, but yeah, let's do it. And what they created ended up becoming the genesis for multimedia immersive artwork that we now do today. And that was, that was about 10 years ago that that played with that, that seed was planted. And, you know, we've been a visual art based art collective ever since. So, um, that's awesome. I have a lot of questions about how you bridged sort of from the music party scene into visual art. But um, I guess first for for listeners, can you give kind of just a, you know, your your 30 second pitch of what Meow Wolf is and what people can expect out of Meow Wolf? Sure. I mean, it's hard to explain just from I, I'm, yeah. I'm not the founder, but just from looking at it online, it's hard to explain. It is. I mean, so I would say like where it is right now, Meow Wolf is a creative production studio that is focused mostly on creating permanent immersive uh, art experiences. Um, these are walkthrough experiences and they're massive, they're uh, interactive, they're for the whole family. Um, that's our main focus is like permanent immersive multimedia art experiences. Hmm. Um, but I say that we're a creative production studio because we also do a lot of other things. I mean, we um, make movies and animations and podcasts and, um, you know, products. We create our own product lines, merchandise, um, VR, AR. It's so like we're now like across the board, we do pretty much everything in the world of creative production. Hmm. So that's where we are right now. Um, but we got here by being an art collective, like I said, that started 10 years ago without business in mind at all. You know, yeah. like really just a group of people who wanted to do stuff together. And it didn't matter what we wanted to do. It could be anything. It could be a theater piece. It could be a music show. It could be an art show. It could be a dance party. It could be, uh, you know, whatever we wanted to do, a hair salon. <laughs> and <laughs> that was the nature that that's, a, you know, nature of an art collective. And yeah. so that's evolved into a business <laughs> and a really insane business that we now operate here in Santa Fe. Um, and our, you know, we were doing these like immersive art experiences um, as an art collective for seven years. And the one that we have open here in Santa Fe right now is the first time that we did an art experience, an immersive art experience that was from a, standpoint of a business and was permanent and had a budget and was done in a way that like was was built in order to make money mm. and so um it's still open it's really successful and so that's really the the lifeblood of the of the entire company right now is the permanent experience that exists in santa fe yeah so do you do you kind of see yourself as an artist who's trying to figure out how to provide for yourself and other artists with business? Or do you see yourself as an entrepreneur who sees art as an opportunity for untapped potential in business? What's the, what's the cart and what's the horse for you personally? I'm curious. Yeah. I'm an art entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't know if anybody's ever used that term before. I had never heard it, but <laughs> it's it's funny. I mean, those two things are entirely separate sides of a of a massive, you know, on on separate sides of a massive valley. I mean, there's like right. a huge space between the two, and 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 it's a it's a it's a problem in our world. There. <laughs> We're proving, Meow Wolf is proving that the general population wants to consume art. They yeah. want to pay for it. And, and then, and so like there needs to be more bridging between business and art and they're, they're not separate, you know? Mm. Um, and I think business people need to trust artists and I think artists need to trust business people. It needs, it's like a two way street, you know? Yeah. Uh, but for me, like I, you know, I've always been, whether I don't really think about things in terms of art and business, um, personally. I think about things from the point of view of creation. And to me, creation is going from an idea to the manifestation of that idea. Mm. And so whether it's a business that is an idea that turns into a manifestation of a business or a sculpture or whatever, or or a party, like those are all the, they're all the same to me. It's an idea that then becomes manifested. Yeah. Um, And so I, I've, I'm I'm good with numbers. I'm good with like having a sense of marketing and how to like get people to spend money um, and to deliver a product that people actually really want to spend money for. Um, so I have like a, I have a business instinct, I guess you could say. Um, and I'm I'm the person on the team that probably has the most. Um, I have the best like relationship to just like calculations and numbers. Yeah. So that has like that's pushed me towards the business side of the company. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, while there's others in the company who are absolutely brilliant sculptors and painters and filmmakers and animators. And, and so they get to just be artists and yeah. they don't have to worry about the business side. So as a platform, we've come at it from a similar standpoint where business and art are one and the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I, I appreciate that, but I got to also kind of give you a pat on the back that, you know, I, I've met other artists who say they have an entrepreneurial instinct, right? But to them, that means I know how to turn my personal art into a business, right? Yeah. You guys have raised millions of dollars. You guys have gotten George R.R. R. Martin involved. You guys <laughs> have, I mean, you've opened a fucking bowling alley full of art like experience, <laughs> yeah. right? So like, this is not like, Hey, we kind of figured out this little thing to keep sustainable. I mean, you guys, it, and I don't know, I mean, I'm not on the yeah. inside of your business, but it looks like you guys are killing it. So what do you guys think? Uh, and I mean, I'm sure, you know, the numbers are always, we'll tell you whatever you want to, whatever you want to see, but, um, but I mean, what do you guys, what do you think you've tapped into that other people have not? Because this is a huge issue for people in the art world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's such an onion to peel back the layers of, I mean, it's a, it's, it's dynamic, it's, it's textured and it's all interweaved. Um, you mentioned George's name. And mm. so, you know, George R. R. Martin is the landlord in, <laughs> he's our, he's our landlord in Santa Fe. He bought the building. He invested money into the building. Mm. He did not invest money into us directly. He gotcha. uh, leased the space to us, which was a huge like win for us because not only did we now have this massive 30,000 square foot building in Santa Fe to build our first exhibit in, but we also had George's name to attach to um, investor pitch decks. 
so we could get other investors to believe in the project because George was a part of the project. Um, and so that was a huge moment for us. It was like, I feel like there's a ton of creative wealth in the world and there's a ton of uh, monetary wealth in the world, but the two do not speak to each other. And it takes a really, it takes a, a, a really courageous creative who also has monetary wealth uh, to bridge those gaps. And George was that for us. I mean, George, like he is a real true creative still in his seventies. Like the dude does not, he, he will call out, uh, whack art and whack films and whack. I mean, he's, he's, he's totally online with everyone else when it comes to like sort of pop culture beat. And he recognized in us like, okay, this is cool shit. And he was willing to put his money behind that. And I think like it takes more people like that to bridge that gap mm. um, and to realize hopefully and hopefully we're opening people's eyes here to realize that that creative wealth in the world can translate into monetary wealth. And, and that's where the onions get the onion layers get peeled back. It's like there has been a narrative that's been uh, created and fostered over generations that creative wealth or uh, just at that creativity is not does not hold monetary value mm. that in order to in order to express yourself creatively and maybe more i should say artistically to 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 express yourself artistically you need to be subsidized by foundations by donors by kickstarter by whatever it is you need people to like basically donate money to you so that you can so that you can create your artwork and there's space for that like there there's space in the world for the artwork that cannot sell you know like we yeah. need to have a mechanism that pays for art in moments when art is not to be is not a commodity and i think that that's important but but all art has kind of become that like you have your gallery, sure, but like the the vast majority of artists in the world are trying to get donations, are trying to get handouts, are trying to get subsidized. Yeah, and and it just doesn't make sense. Like people are. Um, so I, I guess like and that and 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 why does that why does that whole divide exist? It's like that divide. I mean, just take a step back and look at who's on the board of foundations and look who's on the board of museums and look who's on, look who owns galleries. And it's a really exclusive, mm. high net worth community of people that control the art world and control the narrative around how people are supposed to create art in the world. Yeah. And I let me just tell you, like Meow Wolf being a for-profit business that is selling $20 tickets to people to see our artwork, we are getting pounded by the art world because oh, of yeah. it. Yep. That's like the that's the thing that people point to. They're like, how can you be a for-profit? How can you be charging people money to it's like and that's what we're getting pounded for. Yeah. And we're getting pounded for by people who have like millions of dollars of net worth who sit on the board of museums and foundations and control, basically control the stream of capital that goes towards funding art. Yep. And why do they want to do that? Because they get to have power over what gets created and they get to like that little curatorial 
like seed of power that happens, they get to feel hmm. that dopamine that gets released when you get to like kind of control what gets made and what doesn't get me that curatorial piece. Like, and, and it's just, it's a fucked up thing that keeps the vast majority of artists yeah. on the lowest rung of society, which is yeah fucked. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, I agree with you that I think that, that, um, it is nothing but a narrative, right? And and yeah. people get lost in that. They hear this story and assume it has to be true. But um, I, I will say, though, from my my outside perspective entirely, I mean, I am not I, my experience of you guys is what I know through the Internet. But it feels like what you guys have tapped into, because this issue of how do you how do you make money at art? Um, there's always been this backdrop of, well, it comes down to sort of perceived value, right? Because uh, it's there's these artifacts that either you like or you don't like, and basically the value is in how much you like it. Or if you're cynical about the art world, which I am about the fine art world, it has more to do with who owned it and what the artist's name was and if they got lucky once and then forever made a bunch of money, right? Um But it seems like what you guys have tapped into is the entertainment factor. And I have to assume that comes sort of from your background as a producer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and but it also it it, I think it comes from that background of being a producer for myself. But then all of the people in the collective or now employees of the business. Are creating the work. um, From, I think, a a pretty common, a pretty common viewpoint. Mm. Which is that, like, I mean, A, the audience matters. So we, we all believe that the audience matters. Now, we also know that it's a, it's a range. And you, we want to create work that is both accessible and speaks to an audience and speaks to an audience very directly. But also combine that with work that is challenging that maybe doesn't take the audience into consideration but when you put those up next to each other, the work that does and the work that doesn't, the audience itself gets to have a pretty remarkable experience because they're invited in to something that's accessible and then they end up finding themselves in something that they don't quite understand. And that's the beauty of that's the beauty of art is that you can take people into places that are abstracted thought and not entirely, you know, not entirely like formed. And so we do that. We just do that with a very like entertainment pop culture sort of way to do it, like a a pop art sort of way to do it. Um, we don't see entertainment and art as separate. It's a, it's again, it's a, it's part of that divide. It's mm-hmm. like the art world's not willing to call video games art. Right. The art world wants to make. We want to have this discussion as to what's art, what's not art. And I think that like we're just we just think it's silly. It's kind of like one of our one of our artists said it's like kind of like standing in Kansas and asking somebody where's the where's America. Right. You know, you're like, okay, like is Meow Wolf art? Like it's and and so, you know, we we've we've just tried to like get rid of a lot of those distinct distinctions and all of the all the narratives that are attached to like what is art, what's not art, what's the difference between art and entertainment. And and really at the end of the day, just create stuff that feels good for us. And what feels good for us is like we love seeing the faces of people that are experiencing our work. And we love those. We love that we're creating like these moments of like magic for people. And that's what we want to do with our artwork. 
I want to take a quick break to tell you more about our Patreon page. As you know, here at State of the Art, we want to build the art and tech community, increase the conversation, and we love bringing you guests from across the art and tech world. But the thing is, there's so much more we want to do. We want to continue to bring you great guests. We want to do live podcasts. We want to increase the frequency. To do that, though, we need your support. Visit our page at patreon.com slash state of the art. Pledge just a dollar and you'll get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes footage, and a chance to be our super fan of the week. And let me tell you, this is pretty cool. Super fans will get a shout out on next week's episode and a chance to show your art and tech thoughts, events, or whatever within our social feeds. So go to patreon.com slash state of the art and become one of our patrons today. Now back to the episode. Yeah, it's uh, listeners may recognize that I talk about uh, that's one of those college stoner, like college art stoner conversations, right? Like where people just sit out on the front porch and smoke pot and they're like, man, what is art? What is what? what's the thingness of a thing? And totally. and, and like, you know, those are like fun conversations and it's part of like the art world, right? You can't get away from that. And it's fun to have those conversations um, just to have them. But whenever they start, th- like the problem with those conversations is that ultimately, regardless of what side you fall on, they tend to be deconstructive for the artist themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. it tends to be preventative to what you can do and what you can't do whenever you try to put those things in boxes. And at the end of the day, like artists know, artists know intuitively I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to create whatever I'm going to create because I'm not here to make money at it anyways. I want to just do the thing right. that I want to do. Right. Yeah, totally. And there's like, we're in a funny position now, like a, an evolution of, uh, of meow wolf and the entity of meow wolf where because of the business of it, we are being, we're kind of, we're being asked to replicate, you know, we're being asked sure. to like replicate what we've done in the past. A lot of people are like a lot of, a lot of the artists in the group, maybe some of the higher up artists are saying, no, that's not art. You know, like that's, that's not, we're, we're not in this for that, for business. We're not in this for like the business side. We're in this to like be artists and replications, not art. But then when you look at art though, and like art is replication, there's absolutely an aspect of, of replication in, in artwork. Yeah. Um, whether it be so that, you know, more people could see the Mona Lisa, we need to have replications of the Mona Lisa as it travels around the world or, in order for any artist to make a living these days, you need to have some amount of manufacturing and replication involved. Mm. And so it's where we're as an entire entity coming up against the exact same sort of struggles that any artist would in, in this moment of their career. We're just doing it as like a group of like 300 people. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it helps all of this like kind of confusing, like in intellectual conversation really just at the end of the day boils things down for us and makes us ask ourselves, why are we doing what we do? Yeah. And if we can stay true to that, true to, true to something inside of ourselves, uh, then like, that's all that really matters. I'm curious. So for you personally though, is that like, do you feel that tension internally or do you fall back on your anarchistic roots and just kind of like say, fuck it. I know what I want out of this and, and, you know, walk strong. 
Um, you know, I have to have, I have to like have a, for personally, I, ca- I have to have like a bit of a, I have to have a long game, right? You know, I have to, sure. I have to have a long game that like feels subversive and feels like it's trying to like shake up a system that I recognize as being an unjust system. Yeah. And so and I feel like we're, I feel like we're doing it. I feel like there's a narrative that I can commit to that 10 or 20 years from now disrupts, not just like the art world disrupts like literally disrupts the nature of reality or the, or the nature of built reality and, um, and subverts what is currently an unjust system with a, um, improperly balanced or imbalanced distribution of wealth and racial injustices that do not value people equally and 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 so there's a there's a track that that little old me elf in Santa Fe and many other people who are doing work like us are on I think that can that can reroute wealth towards people based on different variables hmm. and that's that's like what I'm working on right now I've had a, I've had some talks around it and it's like a, it's literally it's an idea that's forming and we have some business concepts and we have some partnership concepts that or partnership discussions that we've had um, with people around this. And so it's, there's, there's some, I think that there's some traction there, but basically it's, it's all around the same conversation that we're having right now, which is this, this distance between creativity and wealth. And we, here's, here are the assumptions we know. We know that creativity is valued. Like we know that people want to have creative experiences and they want to buy creative things and they want to have, and they'll even be willing to spend a premium to have really creative things happen. Mm. So we know that that's true, like it's valued. We also know what's true is that there's a ton of creatives and incredibly brilliant creatives in the world who can't seem to make money. And so why is there a, why is there a gap between an incredible amount of creative wealth, the want for that creative wealth from people who have money, but an inability to spend that money and actually get those people paid? And so like that gap is the gap that we're trying. That's like, that's the big problem that we're meow wolf. And I think a lot of people network together can try to figure out how to solve. And what it's going to do is it's going to put wealth back. It's going to put wealth into the pockets of people who are actually the most creatively brilliant, which tend in a lot of situations to be people who are in lower socioeconomic situations. Sure. And so trying to like bridge that bridge that gap and understand the problems that, that the, the variables that are creating this problem. Yeah. That's like the big, that's the big goal for me. How, how do you see, because I see a potential parallel here. I mean, I obviously this podcast is about art and technology. I personally, in my career, I mean, I, I call myself a self-hating technologist because I'm sort of equal parts nerd engineer and creative. Right. So I have that like internal self-hate of course, but, uh, so there's there's sort of a corollary conversation that I'm curious if you think about in terms of what the future of work is. You know, everybody right now in Silicon Valley is talking about what automation is going to do to uh, to most traditional jobs. And that is it possible that humanities are actually going to be the last bastion of 
uh, human sort of turf to defend before the robots take over and we either all die or ascend to our fourth dimensional selves or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, like, do you think about that at all as you're, as you're thinking about this sort of redistribution of wealth and the opportunities that you can be creating for people in the humanities? Yeah, I think that, um, God, yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, people tend to think about the manufacturing side of like technology and how that's going to affect creatives, whether it be um, from a 3D printing, laser cutting type of thing, a mass manufacturing, um, how it's going to disrupt sort of the creative economy or commerce in general. Also, how like these, how technology is going to free up people. Like it's going to, it's going to take a lot of the, it's going to take industrial jobs and then it's going to free people up to, to what, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of thought that like the creative, the creative pursuit is the next evolution for humans as a, in, in general, because that's what you do with time when you have time. Um, and then I think about it though, more so with technology and creativity from like a standpoint of, you know, we, so we create all of this technology, we create all these tech, you know, uh, we create all these digital platforms. These digital platforms are ultimately, they're functional, but they're going to evolve beyond just function. They're going to be, they're going to evolve into, into form and design and create and creative. And I think like, if you look at Airbnb or Lyft, they're, they're good examples of how that's already happening. You have technology that disrupts the way we think about a, um, a, a system that we have in place in, in, in reality and functionally speaking, it, serve, it services uh, customers. But Lyft and Airbnbs, the, the ne- their next step is to think about how they can deliver creative experiences for people through that same system. So how can an Airbnb uh, vacation be something that is more than just staying in a house that you rented? It now involves a whole kind of creative overlay um, on top of it, that there's opportunity to deliver creative experiences to people. So like, I think technology is the platform that creatives that are, is going to need creatives as as the functionality becomes redundant. And now what we want is premium creative experiences, and the technology is going to deliver those creative uh, premium experiences. But artists are going to be the ones who actually program them. Hmm. Um, so, like that's more so what I'm thinking about um, how how technology how te- you know the venue. Like if you just take if you take Airbnb, like hotels hotels dominated but there was all of these other people out there that could make money off of off of the tourism industry but hotels were the only ones that could this is like the exact same type of like the exact same type of of gap that i was talking about earlier and the what filled that gap was a platform that opened up the venue which the venue is a hotel room or the venue is a vacation spot it opens up the venue to the masses so what the creative economy needs from technology is it needs technology to open up the venue of creativity beyond what we know as the venue of creativity currently. And the venues of creativity we know of currently are galleries, museums, uh, stages like, like theatrical stages, uh, nightclubs, um, you know, all the festivals. These are the venues we know. And we need a technological platform that breaks down those walls and makes anywhere, everywhere, a potential stage or a potential venue for creative expression and a monetary, a monetary exchange can happen in, in anywhere mm. with regards to creative expression. So 
that's what I'm hoping technology really brings. It, and then that empowers artists to be paid at any time, anywhere. Um, a good example, a very slight good example here would be like a muralist. So a muralist gets paid maybe 500 bucks to do a big wall outside of a coffee shop. It's a beautiful, beautiful mural. They get one check, that's it. For the next 20 years, people walk by that mural and take pictures and share it and love it. And it's part of the, it's part of, it's, it's part of their valuable experience. They have no way of paying that person for their valuable experience. That person got paid once by the coffee shop, but the, but the millions of people that walked by that mural who enjoyed it, who feel like there's value in that mural could not pay that person for that value. So why, why can I not just go up to that mural and like tip that person who did that mural? Mm. Like, you know, and so thinking about, thinking about that network, you know, is, is where I I think technology and creativity could really be like a powerful couple. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious, man, one of the quotes that we found was, um, this is about producing something for an audience that is deeply craving it. And I think this is this is tapping into what you're talking about here, that there is that, that there is an audience that people are um, craving this. But what is the it like? What is the thing that people actually are desiring? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, uh, you know, there's something there's something about. There's un- there's something about unpredictability or originality that people are seeking. Um, there's like, I, I think that like creativity. So the world, the the pre-internet world was built for uh, scalability, efficiency, and thus because of that, homogenization occurs, predictability occurs. The Best Buy I walk into in Santa Fe is the best best is the same Best Buy I walk into in Amarillo, and this rep- repetition of life. Um, of the this repetition of the physical world is in stark contrast to the um, to the dynamic experience that I have on the internet. Mm. And so the internet is open; it's free. I can go anywhere. I can find weird shit. I can go on YouTube, watch all sorts of weird things. Like there, it's unpredictable. The internet's unpredictable. The world is very the world outside the internet is very predictable. Mm. And so I think people are bored of the world. Because it, the internet has shown us how much more possibility there is, and so if you just give people anything that is original, that is dynamic, that's unpredictable, there's an attraction to it now because there's a more of a training around it because people get that experience on the internet every day, and and the internet has also given people the power of the mouse. It gives it gives us the ability to actually explore and surf based on our own agency. And the world out there doesn't really do that. I mean, it does, but it's very much programmed to like, you know, keep people in, in some, there's some amount of like consistency out in the world. Um, agency is not taken into account for us. So, so like Meow Wolf is a good example. When people walk inside of Meow Wolf, we don't give them a map. We don't have a guide. Like they walk in and it's their space to explore. Mm-hmm. They go anywhere, left, right, through the doors, open, open open bookshelves open or open, you know, closets, open drawers. They have total agency inside of the, inside of our space. And I think that that agency is really powerful for people. Um, you and I might find that agency out in nature, out in the mountains or something. Not everybody realizes that nature has that. 
Like, mm. and so creating a little micro, a little micro park for people gets them back in touch with that agency. Yeah. So I'm like rambling a lot. My apologies. No, 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 no. That's what I, I, you know, I like, I like getting past the stock answers, man. I like getting into what, what people are actually thinking. So, um, and I know you got to get going soon. So, so I'll wrap it here and, and, uh, thank you for your time, Vince. It's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I think that from my perspective, what the art world needs to survive as a business is people who approach business artistically. And I think that, you know, the notion that you've shared with me is like, at least what I'm getting out of this is, um, if you presume that it's an uphill battle to create a living out of this, to create value out of this, it will be. But if you, if you, uh, on the other hand, uh, sort of follow in the footsteps of other great artists and great thinkers and know that, um, it is what you make it and all you have to do is see that it's a narrative and that that narrative is an illusion that, um, there's very real tangible real world value that you can get out of making these beautiful unicorny things. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. That's right. Before I let you go, there's one thing we do to wrap all of our shows. Quick little rapid fire questions. So this is just right. off, off the top of your head, man. So okay. if the devil showed up at the crossroads, what would he promise you in exchange for your soul? Um, uh, a good night's rest. <laughs> <laughs> Overworked. I like it. All right. What's the last song you remember typing into Spotify or whatever you use? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, it was, it's the Pusha T story of Adelon or whatever. It's the Pusha T, uh, Drake diss. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, if you had to lose one sense, which one would it be? Oh, um, uh, wow. That's a tough one for uh, an artist, right? Yeah. Uh, it would be Jesus. Um, taste because <laughs> i gotta get back <laughs> right, right right very nice uh and last but certainly not least beatles or rolling stones beatles very nice i love it man i think anybody who understands aesthetic has to go beatles right yeah psychedelic <laughs> pop psychedelic pop there you go man vince this is awesome thanks so much for making the time and uh hopefully we'll uh keep in touch and uh i i wish meow wolf all the best man you guys are doing something awesome and doing something very hard to do in the art world Awesome, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Meow Wolf. I hope you found it as interesting as I did to talk to Vince. Uh, if you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about Meow Wolf, uh, you can find them online at meowwolf.com. They're on Twitter under Meow Wolf. They're on Instagram as meow underscore underscore wolf. Uh, I highly recommend you guys check them out. Their permanent installations are now in Santa Fe, New Mexico, as well as Denver, Colorado. Thanks for listening to The State of the Art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. It really helps us out. Leaving a review is super easy and helps other listeners just like you discover our podcast. Look, we want to bring you the coolest conversations from art and technology, but we don't know everything. If you guys have any questions, thoughts, or suggestions, please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram under the handle State of the Art. There's some other awesome exclusive content there, too. Until the next episode, this is your host, Andrew Herman, signing off from State of the Art.